Blog Talk Radio. Monday night, July 17, 2017. I am your host, Robbie J.R., alongside my co-host, Big Mike and Vinny the Shark. Of course, our producer, Goon, as always, is at the controls. And as always, we want you guys to get involved. Had another couple callers in the last couple of weeks. Keep calling. Keep getting involved. Our phone number is 646-716-5403. That's 646-716-5403. Give us a follow on social media. Give us some likes. Give us some comments, some concerns, some questions on Twitter. Like us on Instagram. Follow us there. And uh, we'd love to have some two-way sports talk with you guys there. Drop us a line. Uh, And, of course, Denny posts a lot of his bets on there. Try to help you win a couple of bucks, uh, maybe for an end of the summer vacation. Mike's dropping some fantasy hints to help you hold a title in your belt at the end of the year. So follow us. We're going to have some uh, good content on you, especially as we come up upon fantasy football in the NFL season where it gets really fun around here. And uh, we love to interact with you guys. So once again, over the top sport on Twitter and Instagram, follow us and we'll talk to you guys there. There's been some discussions already. And the all-star break finally over. Um, baseball, the second half starts to swing in. The Dodgers and Nationals, they're running away with it in the National League. Um, starting to get a little bit of a wild card race. The Diamondbacks, I think, five straight losses for them. They were swept against the Braves this week, and they're coming back to the pack. Uh, Cubs back over 500, so that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, then the American League, you got the Astros. They're the class of the AL. Um, but if you look at the wild card spot, seven teams within four games for the two spots in the wild card. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, second half, the unofficial second half of the baseball season is underway this weekend, and so are we on Over the Top Sports Radio. And that's where I bring in Mike. And, uh, Mike, a couple of weeks ago, you ranted about the Nationals. You said they needed some bullpen help. You said that this team can't take the next step without really solidifying their bullpen. They made a big deal this week, um, and they finally got some help. What's your analysis of the deal, and is it enough to help them go over the top, especially against a team like Los Angeles in the National League? Uh, yeah, I think it is, Rob. I mean, they immediately added the two best arms in that bullpen. Uh, they had blown 14 saves in baseball. They had the worst ERA uh, bullpen-wise in baseball. Ryan Madsen has a 2.06 ERA this season. Uh, Sean Doolittle, lefties are hitting 0 for 23 against him this season, 31 strikeouts in 21 innings. He's a dominating lefty. And this isn't a, a rental. He's under control for the next two seasons. It's a huge trade. That bullpen is completely upgraded, and watch out, Dodgers. And if you're managing that team, how do you now manage these guys? Who's got the seventh inning? Who's got the eighth inning? Who's got the ninth inning if the team has a, a lead, you know, one or two run lead after six innings and the starter needs to come out of the game? Uh, if it was me, I would have Doolittle in the back end. Uh, he's got the closing experience, and I just think he's got overpowering stuff. Knowing Dusty Baker, though, and nobody knows. I mean, it's been debated now for two days on Twitter. Uh, he wanted to go with Glover out of spring training. He ended up going with Blake Trinan, who got traded in this trade. You really don't know with Dusty. I don't think he knows what he's going to do. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he mixes and matches at first, lefty-righty, depending on the order coming up. But eventually, he's going to have to name one of them, and it will be one of these two that they just acquired as the closer going forward. So, Danny, you've seen this team make some trades for guys like Melanson and Papelbon in the past. Is this a deal that they're going to regret and that wasn't enough? Or do you agree with Mike that this is huge for them and it's going to get them through uh, maybe a couple of weeks in October? I think it definitely puts them ahead. But I thought they could have got a better name out there. Uh, Ryan Madsen's pretty old. I know they both have pretty solid numbers. Doolittle's been fairly inconsistent in the last, like, since they made the playoffs. I don't really trust him. He's also been hurt. But um, their bullpen's so terrible that they had to do this move. Going into Sunday, they had a five ERA, that bullpen. That's pathetic. So this move definitely helps. And as term, in terms of who they're going to put down as the actual closer, like uh, Mike said, uh, Baker's out of his mind. He'll probably just platoon it until finally he's like, okay, we'll go with this guy. Mike, are any of these guys worth owning in fantasy? Obviously, we'll talk about a lot of fantasy later, but since we're on the topic, um, did, did you go out and acquire any of these guys to be a closer and get you some saves in fantasy, or are you going to stay away and see how it works out? Well, neither was closing in Oakland, so they both should have been available uh, on your waiver wire unless you're in a league with hold, and they both should be owned until Dusty tells you who's going to close. I mean, this is a top team in baseball. Uh, if one of them gets on a little roll, I mean, they could end up with another 20 saves from this point forward. They should both be owned until Dusty tells you who's going to close. And they won again today, completing the sweep over uh, the Cincinnati Reds, a four-game sweep to start the second half of the season. They're now at 20 games over 500. They have a commanding lead in the NL East. We know they're going to be a playoff team. They're kind of turning into uh, another team that shares a city with them, the Washington Capitals, a team that's been dominant in the division in the regular season, and they get to the playoffs and they can't get the job done. With Washington, they had some trouble with defense. They went out and got defense. It still wasn't enough. They just couldn't get over the hump. It's interesting in that city between the Wizards and the Nationals and now the Capitals, all these teams that have had great regular seasons are good regular seasons, and they can't get over the hump in the playoffs. I don't know if the Nationals will be the first team to do it. My money still is on Los Angeles. I really like them. I think that they're the best and most complete team in the NL, but this definitely helps out a little bit. And as we go to the American League, Vin, you got a first-hand look this weekend at the Red Sox. I know you're not a big fan. Obviously, they're your hated rivals. Uh, a lot of low-scoring games, split the series with the Yankees. Um, Kimbrough blown save, Chapman blown save in the series. What was your impression of Boston? Because to me, they seem to be flying under the radar a little bit for a first-place team with such a big name as the Boston Red Sox. Well, they look pretty good, but they lack some power, man. They got everything in the world that they could ask for. They just don't have too much pop, and uh, I guess the loss of Ortiz is a huge deal. Naturally, I thought, like, okay, you got Chris Sale and replaced Ortiz. I guess any person would do that trade in a heartbeat, especially with Ortiz's age. But um, they got a lot of good hitters on that team, but they uh, don't have any pop in that lineup. And uh, if they could go out and get a power back, the team that could compete with the Houston Astros out there in the AL. But if the Yankees took three of the four, let's not forget, they'd be tied in that loss column right now. Yeah, uh, the Yankees just still having a little bit of trouble putting it all together. Um, at least when I watch it, it's just obviously they had Holiday and Castro returning to the lineup. And when you have a weekend series in Boston, you can split. It's not a bad thing. Uh, the doubleheader on Sunday, of course, you're happy to split the two games. Um, when you score a run off of Kimball, though, and then you win in 16 innings, to me that's usually a game that could spur you a team forward and get you out of your doldrums. I thought that was a huge win for the Yankees. Uh, tons of chances in extra innings. Nobody could put home a run until the 16th inning. They finally got that win. They finally got a couple runs across and were able to close it out. 
They get the win yesterday afternoon. Normally, you'd be flying high winning a weekend series, but then you get to Sunday night game, the second half of a doubleheader, and it kind of, to me, took a little momentum away. Um, but now they have a few games in Minnesota, an organization that, Vinny, you know they have killed for years, a couple of good pitching matchups against them. And, Vinny, they see Bartolo Colon tomorrow night. This has to be a time where you think the Yankee bats are going to get healthy. Yes, yeah, is the time. We got uh, Castro and Holiday back is huge for this lineup. Um, first base, uh, G-Man Choi has been a decent decent surprise for them, honestly. He's got some pop, but uh, they've got to get this lineup rolling again. And um, Judge didn't have a great weekend, but I expect him to come back. And the Yankees' bat should come alive in Minnesota. And you said you thought that the Red Sox, you know, going back to Boston for a minute, that they needed a big bat. Um uh, a couple of people that I've you know, heard on uh, other sports talk radio stations and a couple of things on Twitter were suggesting names like Miguel Cabrera. Detroit, obviously, they're getting so old. They have so much money invested in players like uh, Miggy um, and uh, Justin Verlander, and everybody's saying Verlander could be on the block. But Cabrera, I mean, that is a big bopper, a big RBI threat, and in that ballpark, he could have a ton of fun spending some time between first base and DH or not. Um, would that be something that, you'd have a lot of fear of as a Yankee fan, or you think that um, you think that he's just not the right fit for that, that team? I think he's the exact fit they need. I'd be petrified if they got him. I don't care what kind of down year he's having. He's still Miguel Cabrera. And in Fenway Park, you know, he could do some damage with that monster, even though he hits it all over the field. Miguel Cabrera in that lineup is one of the best fits you could have, honestly. I'd be petrified. And, Mike, is the Red Sox pitching, are they good enough to hold up? I mean, we know what Chris Sale is. Uh, but we also know about David Price in the postseason. Uh, what about the rest of that rotation? Is this a team that can have their pitching hold up uh, through right now and through their run into October? Yeah, I think that's the million-dollar question. I do. I think I agree with Vinny. I think they lack power. Uh, I don't think they end up with a Miguel Cabrera. I just don't see Detroit moving him. I think Todd Frazier, uh, you know, makes more sense there. And I think they need a setup, man. You just saw Joe Kelly was missing. That bullpen definitely needs another arm. As far as starters go, uh, the playoffs is a shorter series, so I think they'd be okay. I'd like to see them add some sort of power source, Todd Frazier, and maybe even a David Robertson from the White Sox. Well, we have, uh, let's say, the 17th, so I guess it's two weeks from today is uh, the trade deadline, and we'll be on the air that day, and there might be a ton of movement. We'll cover it on July 31st, the non-waivers trade deadline. Uh, time to talk about there is another trade made, but before I get back, uh, a couple of callers having trouble getting through, I'm seeing. Um, when you give us a call at 646-716-5403, uh, bear, with, bear with us for a second. It takes Goon a minute to patch you through and let me know about the caller and make sure that there's a good connection. So uh, if you do call, you bear with us. We'll get to you in a minute. We're not ignoring you. Um, unless Goon screws it up, he's known for that once in a while. But we're doing our best. So give us a call, 646-716-5403, and uh, stay on the line, and we'll get right to you. And the other trade this week, uh, we talked about the Cubs and how they climbed back over 500. They're back into the race in the Central and the wild card. Um, Mike, did you like this move for the champs? Rob, I loved this move for the champs. I can't emphasize that enough for you. I think I've mentioned on here I was still buying Quintana fantasy-wise. Now forget it. His stock soared. Since 2013, he's got the second lowest run support in baseball. Um, 18 starts this year for the White Sox so far. And they've only scored four or more runs with him on the mound for five of them. This guy is going to have a huge second half, a huge next year, a huge year after that because he's under contract. This was a terrific 
terrific trade for the Chicago Cubs. What about you, Vinny? You like the trade? you agree with Mike on that? Because I was under the impression that Quinton was going to go for a lot. As a Braves fan, I didn't want them to give up that much of the future for him. I'm not as high as Mike is on him. I know he's a good pitcher. I know he's got good numbers. He's under control. There's a lot of good things to say about him. I just don't see him as a top-tier pitcher to get those top-tier prospects in here. Are you on the same page as Mike with this, though? Same market, different league. I like the trade for the Cubs. I like the trade for the White Sox, too, because they're obviously huge sellers. But uh, this is the Cubs. They got to get their going. Um, the NL Central is not that strong. They got the Brewers ahead of them. I'm sure nobody has the Brewers winning the division at the end of the year. I know I don't. I expect the Cubs to come around, and he looked really, really strong in his debut game. Uh, I like the move for the Cubs. I think Quintana and the, and the NL is a nice spot. And Mike, you're always uh, you're up on the young, up and coming players. You're big in the farm systems. What about the job that the White Sox have done in the last year or so? really building up their farm system, and they're going to have one of the best systems for years to come in the majors, maybe put together a team kind of like the Yankees have done with the Judges and the Torreses and the Frasers, et cetera, and like the Braves are trying to do in Atlanta as well. I think it's, they've done a great job selling off some assets that won't be around when they're good again. Uh, what do you think about the job that Chicago's done? Yeah, I agree with you, Robert. You're spot on. Um, if you're a fan of, of the White Sox, you have to be excited. You have a lot of young players, uh, you know, towards the end of this year, mostly next year, um, even the All-Star break next year. The kid they just got from the Cubs won't be ready till next year, probably midway through. But um, I think they have 10 out of the top 100 prospects. Ronaldo Lopez, who they just got, uh, didn't just acquire. They got from the Nationals um, as part of the Eaton trade. He just threw a gem over the weekend. They're loaded with talent. And, I mean, it's a good time to be a White Sox fan. It really is. Or it will be, I should say. It will be. And last week, Vinny, when we were on the air, the Home Run Derby was live. Um, it was quite the impressive performance by Aaron Judge. Um, by the time he got off the air, he hadn't even started his performance yet. But this weekend was kind of the other side of the coin, and it's something that a lot of Yankee fans are worried about. Are you going to the Home Run Derby? Are you going to come out of the All-Star break and slump? Now, granted, he homered last night to dead away center field but was robbed by a great catch by Jackie Bradley Jr. It happens once in a while. Um one for 18, that was one for 18. It's only a four-game span. You worried at all, or do you think this is just a short-term thing? It was one series, everyone get off the guy. One series. <laughs> Let this week play out. <laughs> I don't want to hear any of this home run derby garbage. No excuses. Judge will be back, believe me. Well, let me tell you who is back, and it might not be for long, and I'm not so sure how far they're going to go with this, but my Braves have continued to impress me, and I mean, they made a great push there. 18 and 10 in the last 28 games. That's the best record in baseball tied with the Astros. Um, back at 500, this late after June 1st for the first time in over three years. Um, it's not that crazy. It's not that great. They're not on the level, obviously, of the Dodgers, the Nationals, the Astros, even the Yankees or Red Sox, teams like that. But to have the best system in baseball and have basically no pitching and to get there, they've really impressed me. Um, they're doing it while Dansby Swanson's not even playing great, but Ender Yarte has been awesome. Matt Kemp has been terrible, but the rest of the team is just finding a way to win, and they're doing it despite, like I said, injuries to Freddie Freeman all year. I'm very impressed with, impressed with them. They're going to be a fun team to watch. They have a couple of guys who I'm going to talk about later when Mike brings up some fantasy stuff that can really help you maybe going forward. Mike's usually the guru on that. I have a brave or two that's going to come up and maybe get you through August or September, but that's going to happen in a couple of minutes but before then we're going to take a little break we're going to come back we're going to talk about the circus 
that was the Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather Conor McGregor tour. And we're going to talk about that, get the guys' opinions on that, and how that affected a lot of things going forward as this fight is now about a month and a half, a little bit less than a month and a half in a way. So we'll be right back with you guys in just a few minutes on Over the Top Sports Radio. I've got another confession to make. Sports Radio. It's 818 on Monday night, July 17th. And uh, we're back. Second half of the season. Everybody played their first series over the weekend. Now, we're back with series number two as they get into the full swing of things. And on the MLB scoreboard, we got a couple of games underway already. Of course, we talked about it before. One game is final. The National 6-1 winners over the Reds, completing the four-game sweep. Steven Strasburg, the win, he goes to 10-3 and on the season. Um, and then we go to the games going on right now. It's the Blue Jays behind Marcus Stroman, who I feel like pitches every Monday night we're on the air. They're in the top of the fourth with a 3 nothing lead on the Boston Red Sox. In Baltimore, the Rangers one nothing over the Baltimore Orioles. It's the Brewers 2, the Pirates 0. The Mets and Cards are scoreless there in the bottom of the fourth already. And the Phillies with a 4-2 lead in Miami over the Marlins. And the Braves and Cubs in Atlanta by the way, they're just a half game apart from each other. They are in a rain delay. First pitch is supposed to start at about 8.35, so about 15, uh, 15, 17 more minutes before those guys get underway. Uh, Yanks and Twins just underway in, in uh, Minnesota in the Twin Cities. And it's one nothing Mariners in Houston. Lance McCullough's given up a run already in the first, and the Mariners are threatening for more. And the Tigers and Royals, they're in the top of the first. Two on, no out for Detroit. Justin Upton at the plate, but no score there. And that is your MLB scoreboard right now. We'll keep you updated as the show goes along. But we come back with Big Mike and Vinny the Shark. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is I want to let you guys get to know a little bit more about our host. You know the teams we like. You know what we like to talk about. Now let's talk about some other things. I'm going to give these guys a question. It's got a little top three list. Uh, three names. Uh, Vinny, we'll start with you. Um, top three athletes you'd like to see play uh, either one more time, again, any sport, any point in time. You could go. You could see three guys. Do you have a top three list of guys you want to see play again? 
All right, I'm going to go three guys I'm never going to see play. Number three, Mickey Mantle. He's the most accepted booze hound of all time, this guy. Thank God social media wasn't around in the 50s and the 60s. He's a 20-time All-Star, and if you ask any of like parent people, my odds are their favorite player is Mickey Mantle. So he was such a joy to watch, and as a big Yankee fan, I'd love to go back and see the Mick play. Number two, I'm going with Muhammad Ali, one of the most polarizing and controversial athletes of all time. Everyone knows the story behind this guy and the draft and everything. Nobody talked a better game than Ali. He made boxing what it is today, fought all of the greatest heavyweights of all time. There was no delays or anything, none of the BS that we see today. When there was a fight, he was there to fight it. Ali, great movie. I'd do anything to go back in time to see him, the great one. And number one, I was born in 1990, so this guy's right on the cusp of me not being able to see him. He retired in 1993. It's Lawrence Taylor, the greatest linebacker of all time. He was drafted in 1981, played 13 seasons, was a North Carolina Tar Heel, and was literally the greatest defensive player to ever play football. We all know the stories about LT. 1986 NFL MVP from a defensive player. This guy just reinvented the game. Joe Gibbs is the first coach to ever use two tight ends in a on the offensive line just to block this guy. That's how good LT was. I'd do anything to go back in time and see that guy just be a menace on the field. And being a little bit older than you, Vinny, I got to see Lawrence Taylor more when I was, you know, I was still young, but enough to know what was going on in my formative years of sports. And the guy was just a menace, like you said. And even people that weren't huge fans of the Giants or the NFL, they knew about Lawrence Taylor. They knew what he could do on the field. He reached he changed the entire way that defense is played in the NFL, um, and of course was a Super Bowl champion with Big Blue, and um, he's made some crazy life decisions, and he hasn't been the best role model off the field, but on the field there's never been anybody like him, and he didn't even do it for just a couple of years. He had a prolonged career despite the other things he did to his body, so um, I'm not going to throw him on my list. I'll save my list for another minute because I want to hear Mike's. I'll react to that one. I'll give him my three, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, Rob, so uh, I share, like Vinny, I had Muhammad Ali on my list. Uh, I had him three. Just everything that Vinny said, I'm not going to get back into it, but uh, I completely agree with him. The movie was awesome, by the way, and I've seen some documentaries. Supposedly the movie um, is uh, close to being almost 100% accurate. Uh, I have Tom Brady as number two. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, in my opinion. Uh, so just to see him in person, how he dissects a defense, all the weapons he has, uh, even the years he hasn't had as many weapons as he has coming up or the year he had Moss. And number one, I have Wayne Gretzky. Uh, obviously, I grew up watching him, never saw him in person. That's why I put him on here. This is somebody who had 200 points in an 80-game season four times. Uh, I mean, just take a second and think about that. Now in today's age, if you see somebody break 100, uh, you know, you only see that once or twice a season. So to have 200 in an 80-game season, four times in your career, it's unbelievable. His records are untouchable, that guy. So it's another list that we can get into, actually, one of these weeks. And I know we kind of talked about it in, the, in a group chat today on iMessage was unbeatable records. And, and everybody threw out a, a record that they thought was unbeatable, and they probably all are. And you can make a really good case as to why you think yours is the most unbeatable. Um, we'll get into that eventually. Wayne Gretzky, obviously a great player. That kind of leads into my top three because one of my guys, and I didn't really rank him one, two, or three, but I guess since you guys did, I'll start at number three and go with Mario Lemieux. I grew up watching Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky. I get a lot of flack from some guys, and I get a lot of guys that agree with me. I think Mario Lemieux is a better hockey player than Wayne Gretzky. 
he dominated in every fashion, every sense of the word. He made players like Rob Brown, who you never heard of before, 50 goal scorers. Um, he was hindered by injuries. Uh, he was hindered by um, cancer, Hodgkin's disease. He had to miss a few years a couple of times. I know part of it, part of being great is being healthy. I use it in my, in my um, arguments when I want to protect Eli Manning or take his back. So I have to be fair and say part of it's being healthy. Being healthy is part of the deal. But you kind of get a pass when it's Hodgkin's lymphoma and you have a cancer. Um, Lemieux was just the most graceful player on skates. He was as good a passer as I've ever seen. He could score goals. He also had an 85-goal season, 199 points. And until his last season, when he only played, uh, I think, 11 or 12 games or something, he had more points per game in his career than Wayne Gretzky. It's a great argument. Most of the people will probably go with Gretzky. His records are, like you said, Mike, they're untouchable. Um, but it is a very good argument. And if you got to see both, listen, they're both greats. They're one and two no matter how you rank your hockey players. But I would love to see Mario Lemieux again. And he's on the Penguins, a team that I don't even like. They're in my division. They beat the Islanders all the time. They they win cups. But on the ice, he was as good as I saw. And off the ice, he saved the entire franchise in Pittsburgh. He bought them. He got them a new arena. And he turned them from a team that was playing in basically the Nassau Coliseum of Pittsburgh with no fans there to having a sellout every day for the last 10 years. He's really just an icon in hockey. Uh, him and Lemieux. One and two or one N, one A, that's fine. Uh, so, Mike, we're right there on that in hockey. And my other two guys are both baseball players. Um, number two is Greg Maddox. He's my favorite baseball player of all time. I loved pitching. I loved the Braves. It was the perfect marriage. The guy never threw 100 miles an hour, but this guy was the best pitcher in every sense of the word that I've ever seen in my life. Um, of course, I'm a little bit biased because I am a Braves fan, but that guy can make the ball move. Um, I don't know how much you guys got to see of Greg Maddox um, because you're a little bit younger than me, but this guy had seasons where he threw 240 innings and walked 27 guys. He walked 20 guys in 232 innings. He walked 23 guys in 209 innings. This guy was a master of control. He could put the ball any place he wanted. He had seasons where he had a 1-5-6, all in a row ERAs. Uh, fourth great Cy Young, the first guy I ever saw do that. Uh, I would love to watch Greg Maddox sitting there looking nerdy like he couldn't do anything in his life, just go out there and dominate hitters. And by the way, when he did that, it was during baseball steroid era, putting up those numbers and being that dominant. And another guy, kind of like Gretzky that never got hurt, number one, and I'm surprised none of you guys said this, is Babe Ruth. I mean, this guy is legendary. This is a guy that there's not very much video of, but we could even see him. I want to see how good this guy was. I want to see this guy that was a top pitcher in the league and a top hitter in the league that could have been a Hall of Famer at both positions, doing things that had never been done in an era of baseball that I wish I grew up in. I wish I grew up in the era of baseball where we all see the black and white pictures and the old stadiums and the old ballparks with with all the signs out there. I just... If I could go in, I've always said, if I could go in a time machine and go back, it would be to the era of baseball in the 20s, 30s, and 40s and see how baseball really was at its core. And Babe Ruth's the guy that I'd want to see. Um, the original home run king, and like I said, the guy was a great pitcher. I just have to see how much better he was than all these guys. And he probably did it half drunk after being with the prostitute the night before with a cigarette in his mouth. The guy's as legendary as it gets. Um, so that's my top three. Um, 
And if, hey, if any of you fans listening, you want to give us the top three, you want to debate us, you want to say Maddox wasn't the best, or Gretzky was or wasn't, or Babe Ruth didn't deserve to be there, or Ali's not the greatest, good luck convincing us otherwise. But throw it out there on Twitter. Give us a call. Debate us. Give us your top three. Maybe there's somebody we forgot. Um, but good list, guys. Um, those are all the guys that we want to see. Vinny, one thing that I don't ever want to see again is another Mayweather-McGregor promotional tour. Because after the first one, and it looked so staged, it went from intriguing to basically something I laughed at. I laughed at. Um Vinny, it was a crazy week with it, some funny stuff, and then it just looked like it was all WWE. And we love wrestling, but it looked like it was all staged. Um, what did you think of this McGregor-Mayweather tour, Ben? It was a complete joke. It was fairly entertaining. I mean, good for the Conor McGregor fans, because this is what you got to hang your hat on. It's the the best shot he's going to get on Mayweather. It's um, It was all staged. It, uh, he didn't buy into any of that. Uh, it was all just to make money. It was $10 to see all it. I didn't buy any of that crap. I got to see all the Instagrams and all that, and I'll, they'll just take the good quotes out of it. So if you're a McGregor fan, I hope you had fun with it because he, he had some entertaining lines. And uh, other than that, if you really bought into it too much, you're, yeah, like I say frequently on the show, you're a stupid idiot. And, Mike, what about you? Uh, we talked about it a lot during the week. Is this something that intrigued you in the beginning? I know you were really into it. I, like, I know you liked the Toronto one, but is it something that you continued to like as it went on, or did it? Did the feeling kind of change after that Toronto show, which I actually thought was pretty funny? Well, Rob, that will lead us right into this week's rant. Um, This week's rant is on the four-day world tour Mayweather-McGregor press conferences. By the time they got to the third one in Brooklyn, the creativity and originality was gone. The press conferences had turned into a staged circus. That's right, staged. Let's start off with the first one in Los Angeles. It had a very real feel to it that these two fighters truly disliked each other. McGregor shows up wearing a custom suit with fuck you stitched in it over a hundred times as the pinstripe. Hilariously calls out Floyd for showing up in a track suit and makes jokes of him not being able to afford a suit anymore. This, of course, being in regards to Floyd owing money and taxes. Then he shockingly guarantees he's going to knock Floyd out within four rounds. Can't wait to hear what Vinny has to say about that. Floyd then proceeds to show McGregor a check supposedly for $100 million that he's never cashed. McGregor says, pay that to the IRS. The crowd begins to chant, pay your taxes. The fighters square off, and it's over. If you watched this press conference, you were intrigued. If you weren't going to buy it, perhaps you now will buy the fight. Mayweather looked completely overwhelmed in a verbal war with McGregor, who undoubtedly had the majority of the fan support. And then it went downhill. Press conference number two in Toronto did have some good one-lines, as Rob just mentioned, from McGregor, such as asking Floyd why he has a book if he can't even read. But otherwise, stage setups such as Mayweather draping himself in the Irish flag and then McGregor stealing Mayweather's money backpack, the realness was quickly gone. The best way to describe this to you guys, if you didn't watch it, would be Ted DiBiase and the Money Corporation stealing Paul Bear's urn at WrestleMania 11, or anyone stealing Paul Bear's urn for that matter. He always got it back, just like Floyd got his backpack back. Press Conference 3 in Brooklyn started two hours late because both fighters were stuck in traffic. McGregor showed up shirtless in a fur coat and proceeded to use the stage as a walkway, a runway, I should say. He made several sexual advances towards black women, and then he was done. Mayweather had his posse, yes, his posse, LeBron, surround McGregor and then proceeded to call him a bitch, hoe, and a stripper. Floyd and Connor went for the theatrics, and they achieved it. This was the worst press conference of them all. 
The best way I can describe this press conference, if you didn't see it, would be in Rocky Three when Apollo stirs the pot, gets pushed by the Russian, and then turns to Rocky and says, how did I do? Finally, press conference four in London had the coolest setup. It was actually in a boxing ring. That's where the originality unfortunately ended. Both fighters threw the same day-old repeated jabs yet again. To make matters worse, after each press conference, you had FS1 grading them. Former UFC fighter Kenny Florian would actually break it down and hand out scores. The best way I can describe this would be in high school, sitting at the lunch table, throwing yo mama jokes back and forth at each other, and then your classmates picking which had the funniest. The facts are, whoever scheduled this four-day press conferences back-to-back like this is a moron. UFC president Dana White even voiced his displeasure on the setup and made it a point to barely speak at them except for introducing McGregor. In all honesty, these probably hurt the fight more than they helped. It gave fans, the pay-per-view buyer, a fake entertainment feeling, which is something you never want in real fighting. And that's the rant, boys. Well done, Mike. I love the rant. And, uh, yeah, like you said, that was the funniest part said in the whole entire thing. Connor said he will knock Floyd out in four rounds. That is dumb funny. You don't even understand how funny that is. But um, the whole thing, it really did feel staged. I like the uh, Paul Barra uh, comparison. That's funny. Um, but it even has, it gives you the feel that this fight actually could potentially be fixed. And I'm a huge Mayweather guy, so I refuse to accept that. Uh, Mayweather will never sign up to anything if he's going to lose in it. He won't do it. That's his reputation. That's what he has, all he has, and he prides himself on it big time. So I refuse to believe that. But it really gives you that feel that this really could be these guys all together involved in this. At least these press conferences, they definitely were. And having them four in a row was very, very dumb. They should have done one a week or even none at all, just one. Because the weigh-in is usually the spectacle that you see these last four days, and it's usually a little more natural. But, uh, yeah, it definitely had a little fake feel to it, Mike, and probably hurt the fight instead of helped the fight. It was just too much and too short of a time, and I wasn't a big fan of that. But, but like I said, McGregor fans got a pretty good laugh out of it because that's what he does. That's, he's great at shit-talking, and he did a great job with that all weekend. Very, that was entertaining. He had a lot of funny lines. The suit was hilarious. But um, when it comes down to fight night, you just got to hope that this thing isn't rigged and we really get to see Floyd knock out Conor McGregor because that's what's going to happen. So now, so Vinny, let me ask you, do you think – I'm sorry, Rob. Real quick, Vinny, do you think that they achieved – do you think that they achieved what they wanted by making McGregor, the trash talker, look bigger and better than what he's going to be come fight night? Absolutely. That's what they want. They want everyone to know that this could, that he has a shot, you know, like if you weigh in who won the press conferences, it's Conor McGregor. He won in terms of just the, the talking. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's what they want. They want people to make it seem like it's going to be a closer fight than they really think. And it's just not going to be the case. That's for sure. Um, my mind's not going to be warped from this thing. That's for sure. Now, Rob, I know you checked it out also. What were your thoughts on it? Um, when I first watched it, it reminded me of the WWF Attitude Era, and I was intrigued. I said, oh, this is funny. This is the Attitude Era plus some, and, you know, because they were able to actually curse on TV, and Fox Sports was showing all of it unedited, uncensored. And I said, okay, this is this is good, especially that first show. Um, and they had some good one-liners, and they're throwing money, and they're stealing Irish flags and stealing backpacks, and they have sold-out arenas for this. I mean, I was intrigued. And I saw the next one, and I said, okay, well, why are these guys, you know, these guys have so much hate. Why are they just sitting there? It looked like almost like a performance. And then by the time they got to Brooklyn and then even when they went overseas to Europe, it really, it looked fake. And it, it kind of hit me. 
you know, the Attitude Era was kind of uh, scripted as well. It, it was great, and it was good TV, but it was kind of scripted, and at least that would end in a brawl, whether it be uh, a choreographed WWE or WWS brawl at the time or not. At least there was some payoff, and this is, you know, two guys. They're laughing probably backstage with each other, giving each other hugs and counting their money together, uh, rehearsing all their stuff. They were an hour and a half to two hours late in Brooklyn in front of a sold-out crowd, which should never happen for any sporting event. So by the time it went on um, and on and on and on, I was over it. And as, as much as in the beginning it got me excited, it didn't make me want to watch it any more or less. Um, I'm sure it made them some money. They sold out some crowds. I'm sure some people will buy it more. But I just don't buy the realism of it. And that's just how I felt about it. Maybe I'm in the minority. But it really just didn't have the payoff that I was hoping it would. Um, and, I, and I hope that the fight does because there's going to be a lot of hype around it. I'm sure we're going to do a lot that week. Um, it'll probably be the last time we talk about it, you know, once we get there because it'll be football season almost. But um, I'm I just not so sure if this is going to have the payoff. I thought it did maybe uh, after the first or second time that they were on tour. Yeah. It's still going to well. sell out, though. Still going to make more than Mayweather Pacquiao. That's spot on, too, and I think the pay-per-view buys will be through the roof. And uh, real quick, Rob, something that you hit on was very interesting. What was FS1 and FS2 thinking uh, broadcasting these with all the cursing? It's unreal. I, yeah. It was a great point, and I don't understand why they did it. I don't know. It's not even understand why they did it. I get why they did it, to get to get people to watch. I don't understand how they did it. I mean, the FCC is very strict about this. This wasn't late-night television. This was prime-time television, seven, eight, nine o'clock um, shows. They're doing these in, in huge arenas, live on TV, no tape delay. And I get it if maybe the first time something flipped or whatever, but every subsequent show had absolutely no filter, and it was all uncensored. And that's supposed to be reserved for HBO, pay-per-view, Showtime, I mean, this is on basic cable. If you have Fox Sports is now a basic cable channel. Fox Sports 2 is there as well. I know it's not well known. Uh, Mike, I know why they did it. They did it because it helps sell the program. They did it for the same reasons that sex sells, that, you know, this is the genre, this is the people that they're going for. I don't get how they did it, how they got away with it. Um, maybe they did get some FCC funds, but seriously didn't stop them. Um, yeah, there's part of me that likes it. I like that stuff, but... Um, it was just definitely weird to see because you don't really see that every day. Um, but I guess that's more their problem. It'll be something I look into, though, especially at work. I mean, I work in the industry. I work in TV. Uh, we have to bleep out words that are a lot less than there. I mean, there's words that if we're even not sure about, we don't use it. We bleep it or we work around it or we, we dissolve out of it. So um, FCC is very strict. I don't know how they did it. Um, but definitely interesting. I'm sure it helped sell it to some people. And uh, in the next five weeks, you know, like Danny said, I'm sure that it'll help sell a lot of pay-per-views. And we'll definitely talk about it and break down. But um, about 20 minutes ago, the show is flying by. We've got to move on. So we're going to take a quick break here with Goon. We're going to talk fantasy baseball when we come back. Ezekiel Elliott, he's in more trouble again. How does that affect his draft status? And then he's got a couple of picks that he wants to get in this week. Braves getting underway tonight. If you didn't see it on Twitter, he says Braves, Cubs, Free play of the week, nine and a half, under nine and a half in a Leicester-Tehran matchup. So they're just getting underway now. We'll see how that works out. Um, but he's got more picks, and we got some fantasy sports to talk about in just a couple of minutes on Over the Top Sports Radio. You're listening to Over the Top Sports Radio Show. 
Um, make sure to check out our website, OverTheTopSportsShow.com. That's OverTheTopSportsShow.com. We're going to have all of my fantasy guys. They're all up there already. So if you went through it too quick or if you missed a name or two, check out the website. Uh, we post them there and go pick up the guys and see if they can help you out. And I told you earlier in the show that I had a guy or two uh, from the Braves that I believe is going to help a couple of teams, a couple of you guys, maybe maybe a smaller move, nothing crazy, but Johan Camargo. This guy is actually taking over shortstop role on the Braves from Dansby Swanson. He's had 111 in bats this year. He's batting 333. They are finding ways to get this guy into the roster because all he has done is rake since he's been up. He was a good prospect for them. He's a guy that he's only 23 years old. This is his first year in the major leagues. Um, but he's hitting 333. He's playing really well. He's going to be one of those guys that has dual eligible positions. He plays some third base. He's played some shortstop. So if you need a guy to maybe get you some batting average, get some run score, he's going to get more and more bats as the second half of the season is underway. And if you don't have Brandon Phillips, if he's not owned in your league, you better pick him up. The guy has been on fire. Three for three yesterday, three doubles. He's on pace for a 40-double season. He's hitting 291. He's going to score 80 or 90 runs. Um, this guy has been everything that the Braves could have asked for. He's playing stellar defense. Uh, pick up those guys, both middle infielders for the Braves. Maybe not as big as Mike has, but if you don't watch them every day like I do, maybe you don't realize that the impact that they're having. And if you haven't paid attention, Freddie Freeman came back from his injury and has been raking as well. Freeman missed six weeks. He leads a team with 17 home runs, and that's on the team with guys like Matt Kemp and, uh, and Matt Adams, who's been awesome too. So a couple of greats to look out for as well. Um, but that's for me. Of course, we go over to Vinny the Shark. Um, fantasy football, about to get under the way. I know you're a Giants fan, so I know it didn't have to hurt you to see that Ezekiel Elliott is in trouble once again, Vinny. How is this going to impact his role, A, in the NFC East and how the betting lines are going to go for the Giants and other teams in the NFC East? And then, of course, in fantasy, because we're talking fantasy, um, a couple of games, how's it going to affect his draft status? Well, I already went out of my way to bet the New York Giants week one because uh, that line's going to drop if Elliott's out. And um, if you could get – them at four and a half right now, that line is probably going to drop to at least a minus three, and it could even be under. I would jump on the Giants right now. Uh, Dallas, it doesn't really matter. Uh, they saw the offensive line there, so anybody can run behind them. So it really shouldn't kill them that bad, but nobody can run behind them better than Elliott. We all saw the talent that this guy possesses. But he could be in, in, uh, in store for a big suspension because it's not his first uh, legal issue going on. He's still got the domestic violence. Now he punched this DJ. So uh, Elliott could be in store for at least like a four-game suspension, and that's a pretty big deal. And, Mike, we had a little debate about it. We're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. Neither of us is saying that Elliott sucks or shouldn't be owned in fantasy football. Um, I said I'm picking ninth in my main league. If he fell to me at ninth, I would jump on him. I'd probably go as low as six, seven, eight if it was a two-game suspension, maybe three or four, maybe a couple spots below. You said he's out of your top ten. Um, why are you so low on Elliott? Is it just the less games played he's going to get you less points, or is there something more to it? Yeah, I agree with Vinny. The suspension, uh, it's going to be, I think, four games. is, is probably going to be the number. Maybe appeals it gets down to three. I don't think you're looking one or two games. Um, they lost two offensive linemen this year. Doug Free retired. Ronald Leary signed with Denver. Now they're going to move Laurel Collins over. You know, been a good player, but playing a different position. Uh, so right there, I'm already hesitant. 
And and now you're talking a suspension. This isn't Le'Veon Bell. He's not catching all these balls out of the backfield. Uh, to me, he's out of the top ten. If it's any more than two games, he's out of the top ten. I personally will not take him inside the ten, even if it's one game. Okay. Well, I mean, so I got a little, a little thrown off because we had a caller. I tried to get to him, but I didn't want to cut you off. Um, if you just called. You get back, we'll get right with you. Uh, if you're calling, especially if you're calling about fantasy football, especially if you have a take on this Le'Veon Bell stuff, so let me know. But I think you are back now. So if you're on the line, uh, tell me who you are and uh, what's on your mind. Yeah, what's up, man? This is Naj in Atlanta, man. How y'all doing? Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Sorry, I dropped off earlier, but I didn't know if you guys were hitting on these topics or just taking the fantasy perspective and looking at, you know, how guys are going to fall if some of this stuff happens. Because I wanted to kind of speak to just Le'Veon Bell and uh, the kid down in Dallas, uh, just just what's going on, period. Yeah, well, let's look at both of them. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, when he came into the NFL, there were some questions about some things that he may or may have not done in the past. Um, If you even remember last year going into his rookie year, there were some questions if he'd have a suspension. He seemed to get away with it. I think he was exonerated. There were some questions about some some uh, some of the actions that maybe he did off the field. Um, but then when, when you have a repeat thing now, now you're wondering, hey, is this guy going to be, uh, I don't want to say Lawrence Taylor, but somebody that has like a cloud behind him. And he's always going to be a guy that maybe he's going to be suspended. Maybe he's going to be off the field trouble. Are there going to be domestic disputes? Is there going to be anything like that? Um, Fantasy-wise, and as a Cowboy fan, I'm not a Cowboy fan, but if I was, I'd be worried because these guys are their own worst enemies. He could be the best running back in the NFL. We all saw that last season. And then when you look at Le'Veon Bell, the guy seems to have a problem staying away from marijuana. And how many more times is he going to need to be suspended or reprimanded before he really throws away his career and millions of dollars because he's right now not signing his franchise tender. So he's going to be here for one year. And at top money, but is he going to lose out if he makes one more mistake on this $50, $60 million deal? That's something I'd be worried about, you know, even without putting fantasy football aside. Um, you're, you're from uh, – where are you from and what are you a fan of? I'm, I'm down here in Atlanta. So, Falcons, I'm a transplant. So, I, I roll with the Falcons since I'm here. So. Sorry about that 23 <laughs> loss. Yeah, yeah, it happens, man. What are you going to do, man? Defense can only play so many snaps. No, like, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I just think we need to get in a new direction uh, in the country, just as far as we have, court, we have courts for a reason, lawyers for a reason, judges for a reason. And this whole idea that sports leagues are going to, you know, legislate morality, like, I, I think it's a childish game they play of kind of standing on their soapbox. Like, look, do you're trading blood, sweat, and tears for – you know, equity on the on the field as far as inch by inch, yard by yard. Like, this is not a moral business. If the guy's cleared uh, legally, let him play. Uh, his his life outside of the game, he should be responsible for. If he goes to jail for that, you know, that's something that they should have to do with. But I think we need to start putting pressure more on local lawmakers and our judicial system to make sure, like, if somebody beats up a woman, they don't just walk away or get probation or something like that. But, like, Roger Goodell, like, and these people, like, they're not qualified to handle this kind of stuff. And I really think they should stop, man, because at a certain point, this is a farce in in my mind. Like, I understand where you're coming from in that these guys are hurting themselves, they're negotiating power and everything else going down the line, which is true and which kind of should be expected if you're playing the most violent game out there. You're going to have some people who are monsters. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's a degree to that, too. 
But just the naivete of us listening to Roger Goodell <laughs> try to moralize, it's laughable, man. Well, I thank you for the call, and I'll, I'll respond to that real quickly because it's not just the NFL. I mean, look at the Major League Baseball or Aldis Chapman. He got suspended for the same type of thing. Jose Reyes, he lost his job in Colorado because of it. It's not just the NFL, and it's not just domestic abuse. Think of baseball with the steroid era. All these guys, they were never tried in court. They were never found guilty, and that's a huge debate. You make a great point. If these guys aren't found guilty in the court of law, which – Hey, everybody in America, right, they're innocent until proven guilty. So I understand your point, and the leagues do have this, you know, uh, judiciary right that they hold themselves to to suspend guys and okay and not let them work. Nobody in our other jobs are like that. Um, These these leagues are just so big, and they have so much money, and I think that they're doing it to protect the integrity of the league. Um, You make a lot of good points, but it's not just football. I I think it's both sports – Baseball with the steroids, baseball with the domestic violence. Um, you've seen it in the NBA, and you've seen it in the NHL, too. Um, it's a great debate. We could do a whole hour on that. I mean, why do these leaks think that they have say over the law of the country that we live in and that they work in? Um, he, made it, he, made a, with, he made a great ahead, point. Man. I'm sorry for the little jab that I threw at him at his Falcons, and thank you for the call, man. We appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's double the punishment, but these guys make so much money, and they're – looked up to by so many people that they deserve these like these punishments i get that it's tough that you're not only getting punished by the law like it's their job to punish them not their job but money talks you know and that affects the outside world a lot more than than it can in football but uh bottom line is whether whether it's right or wrong these guys just gotta smarten up bottom line and i think we have one more caller on the line at 853 so let me just see who's on the line sorry to cut you off mike who's on the line and uh real quick we only got six minutes left in the show What, what you got on your mind Hey, what's going on, guys? Just wanted to talk about fantasy football real quick. Would love to. Hello? Hey, what's going on, guys? My name's Jeff. What's up? Hey, Jeff, what you got on your mind about fantasy football? Well, I wanted to talk about uh, I have a keeper league, and I'm kind of perplexed right now. What you got? What's your options? Well, it's a rookie keeper league. And I am in a spot between Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Josh Dotson. And I know that might not sound like uh, a big deal right now, but Elliott seems like he's going to be suspended for at least two, possibly four weeks. And I really feel like Josh Dotson is going to be a breakout performer this year. And, um, I know it might sound silly, but I just I just wanted to get your guys' opinion. Elliot, you're keeping down. Zeke, and it's not close. You're keeping Zeke, whether he's suspended two or four, it's not even close. Doxon might break out, might not. However, with Zeke, there's no might, there's no not. If he's playing, he is going to be the star that you know he is. I agree. I go with Zeke as well. Jeff, thank you so much for the call. We love you guys are getting involved, and trust me, we could do two or three hours if we knew we were going to get so many calls, and we'd love to talk to you and Nas even more. Call us back next Monday. Call us a little bit early in the hour. We'll give you guys ample time to talk, but with only four minutes left in the show, we've got to cut you off. Um, I need to get Vinny's picks in. I promised them for, for the listeners that do make some picks through Vinny. So, Vinny, I'll give you the floor. You said you have three or four picks you want to get out there for the rest of the week, so if uh, you can go through those quick, let's get them in right now, Vinny. All right, if you keep the Twitter, you know that I am current. 
series, which is going down. Oh, it is the St. Louis Cardinals. Take the Redbirds, minus one. Aka versus Rafael Montero. Rafael Montero is dog shit, and he will not be defeating Waka tomorrow. Boy, Robbie Ray and the D-backs, they're minus 140. They've lost four straight games to the Nationals this weekend, and no matter how bad of a team, it's really hard and not a good thing to lose five straight home games. I can't confidently sit and, and send the Reds their fifth straight home loss. Anybody remember Chris Weidman? Because he is on a losing streak. He has lost his three last fights, and he's fighting at the Nassau College Kelvin Gastelum. Gastelum is minus 160. Weidman, after starting his career 13-0, the All-American has lost his last three fights, and now isn't even getting a pay-per-view. He's fighting on a regular fight, not on FS1, and he's lost all his pay-per-view luster. He's a plus-125 dog. I think he's finished. I think he loses his fourth straight, and this might be his last match. It might be time for this guy to run off into the sunset. Bet Kelvin Gastelum this Saturday night. And that's the best for the week. And let me tell you, Chris Wyman, I've done a lot of stories with him at work. Uh, he's such a great guy. He lives in Dix Hill still. He's from Long Island. I, I, the only reason I want to go against you on this, and I don't want to go against Vinny the Shark, I'm not saying I would throw the money out there. Take his advice over mine, folks. I promise you. The one thing I'll say is this guy's fighting in his home arena. He grew up going to Nassau Coliseum his whole career, um, and he actually finally gets to play at home. That's the one thing that I would keep in mind is that it's a home fight for him. Um, we just have a couple minutes left. Mike, I'm going to get your final thoughts right now uh, as we look into the rest of the week and we head towards the Major League trade deadline. And by the way, guys, this time next week, NFL training camps are about to get underway. Yeah, Rob, uh, 30 seconds here is uh, Glenn Coffey. He was drafted by the 49ers. He left after playing one season. He went and served four years as an Army Ranger specialist. He's trying to make a comeback at 29 years old. Pretty good story. And Vinny, final thoughts from you. Uh, got the floor. Uh, I had my cigar ready, and it was unlit this weekend because what I heard was that the Knicks and Rockets had a deal that was on the two-yard line of being punched in. And I thought Carmelo Anthony was finally going to leave the New York Knicks. He did not. The Knicks signed GM Scott Perry, former Kings. He got rid of DeMarcus Cousins. It's time to get rid of your superstar here in New York. Two-yard line, my ass. They're on their own two-yard line. Deal doesn't look like it's getting done. Melo's got to go. All right, well, thanks to Mike and thanks to Vinny, and uh, I'm going to take the last minute or two of my show, uh, my show of our show, to give my thoughts. Um, I don't usually do the final segment. Um, We've got 90 seconds left. I just wanted to say it's been a tough week. Um, Sports has lost a legend. Um, Bob Wolf, um, 96-year-old, he passed away on Saturday night. Um, I've worked with Bob Wolf here at my uh, my full-time job since 2006. I've uh, produced segments with Bob. I work closely with Bob. I help out write a book. And... um, Bob's an Emmy Award winner, and it just starts there. He's a Hall of Fame person. He's as good a guy as you'll ever meet in your life. Um, He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He's the only guy to call all four major sports championships, the Stanley Cup, the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NBA Finals. He's called Rose Bowls. He's called every single thing you can do. He even did the Westminster Kennel Show. But above all that, Bob was one of the greatest guys I ever met. I was an intern. My first week here, and I saw the old guy in the office. He was only in his 80s at that point. He was kind of scared of him. He called me in his office. I started sweating and shaking. He said, what do you want to do in your life? I told him what I wanted to do. He shut the door and spent an hour. Never met me in his life, had no reason to, and gave me tips. He had me do home run calls. He had me do touchdown calls. 
as if I was live on TV and said, don't worry, I'm here, we're going to teach you. And he took time out of his life for not just me, but tons and tons of people, Bob Costas, Marv Albert, Sam Ryan. So, Bob, we're going to miss you. Uh, you are the best. You're the GOAT. And we'll see you guys next week on Over the Top Sports Radio. Check out our website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Over the Top Sport, no S, and on Instagram at Over the Top Sports Show.